All right, good afternoon and welcome to the fourth Burning Conversation. And again, I couldn't be any more excited to bring on our next guest on to the Burning Conversation show. We have a developer from the Dapper team with us today. His name is Alan Carr. He's a Las Vegas native. And my goodness, is he a qualified crypto head. He, as a child, was programming Apple IIe computers. He was designing these responsive messaging programs that were self-promotional in nature. It would be like, what's your name? He would type in his name, Alan, and it would respond, that's awesome, but cool. And like, as, as a kid, he was doing that. He ultimately <laughs> turned that into uh, becoming a game master for Blizzard Entertainment. Uh, along the way, he wrote a novel titled Dragon Master. So this guy is literally the jack of all trades. It's in his Twitter profile. Uh, he was doing an e-commerce job, what he considers to be web stuff. And that led him to Crypto Kitties, and it was just all downhill from there. So without further ado, <laughs> please welcome Alan Carr. Thank you very much. I'm so uh, excited to be here on the podcast. And and uh, have a burning conversation. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, you know, I think the logical place to start is you've spoken about how CryptoKitties hit like an obsession point. And there's no question I'm at that obsession point. I can't get enough of this thing. Um, but I would love to hear your experience of like, what about CryptoKitties got you so entrenched in that space? And then how did it lead you to becoming a part of the Dapper team in NBA Top Shot? Absolutely love to talk about that. That's a uh, so so crypto kitties when that came out in 2017. I, I just I barely dabbled with crypto at all. I've been watching it from the sidelines. I think a lot of people are doing that right now. I'm getting texts from my parents talking about the price of Bitcoin and asking about Dogecoin, you know, and sure. And uh, I think a lot of people are currently on the sidelines wondering, like, is this like something I should care about? That was me in 2017. And then this thing called Crypto Kitties dropped. And I had been intrigued by the idea of smart contracts. So Bitcoin was cool, right? Like digital money, that makes a lot of sense. But then for the first time, it was like programmable money. And it wasn't just money. With CryptoKitties, when that came out, it, it was the first time I'd ever seen like this kind of digital utility. And, um, you know, and it was all wrapped up in this crazy package, breed digital cats on the blockchain. So like, how do you do like, that? That's just so absurd. Yeah. So that was the question. I had to know the answer. Right. Um, now, an interesting kind of parallel to CryptoKitties is when that launched in 2017, it exploded. Right. Everybody wanted to figure out what this thing was and participate in it. And at that time, it, it was running on the Ethereum blockchain. And this was the first time the Ethereum blockchain was ever like seriously tested. It started running up against capacity. It melted down. Um, and so my first couple of days in CryptoKitties, probably resembles, unfortunately, um, the first couple of days of some people in NBA Top Shot where okay. I was just trying to buy a cat and I kept getting failed purchases. <laughs> Someone else had beat me to it. Right. And um, unfortunately, like unlike right now with NBA Top Shot, we're on Flow, uh, that was on Ethereum. And so each of those failed purchases like cost me like a couple of bucks in uh, gas fees. Oh, no. So I was on the verge of just not even 
continuing. I'm just like throwing money away, getting nothing. I'm like, this seems interesting. It's obviously popular, but damn, it doesn't even work. And it costs me money because of the way Ethereum is set up. Thankfully, I did stick with it. I got my first cat named Cucumber. Um, I basically had to go navigate and try to stop trying to buy a, a like low-level cat or a good value cat. And I just kind of picked one that I hoped nobody else was going for, okay. kind of middle of the pack. And it had a cool name, Cucumber. So I went for that. And I found out that, that uh, you know, having a cat is cool, but the whole point of CryptoKitties is having two cats and bringing them together. So I huh. managed to get a second cat. And then you asked how that works. And um, there's these smart contracts on the blockchain that are basically a series of rules. And they enforce those rules so that uh, with CryptoKitties, the way it was is basically it said, hey, if you, t if you own two cats and you tell us you want to breed them together and you pay this breeding fee, um, all the cats have this genetic code that's immutable and store on blockchain that can't be changed by anyone, not even the developers of CryptoKitties. And there's a secret smart contract called Gene Science. And if you send this breeding fee and tell us two cats that you own, then the genetic code will get mixed in smart and pop out a new cat with its own unique genetic code that's based on the parents in kind of the secret way. And um, so, yeah, you just breed two cats together and you get a new cat and it might have like the fur color from the matron huh. and it might have like the, the wonky eyes from the, from the sire. And it was like, it was this little magical thing where even if, again, the developers of CryptoKitties disappeared, this smart contract would live forever. My wow. cats okay. and their genetic codes would live forever. And so I could, I could breed and it required nothing other than the existence of the Ethereum network, which means as long as anybody in the world is continuing to run a node, then I could interact with it. And that was crazy when you finally experienced it for the first time. And the thing about CryptoKitties was it was such a deep, deep rabbit hole because you had the history of what happens when you breed cats together. How do you determine what would come out the other side? You know, what, what makes a good cat and how can you increase your chances of breeding a good cat? Uh, what makes a valuable cat? What can you sell in the marketplace? And that marketplace was, I think, the secret to CryptoKitties. And I think it's also the secret to NBA Top Shot. And it's not about the monetary value. It's not about the fact that you can make a bunch of money breeding cats or, you know, uh, ripping packs and, 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 and getting lucky. It's the fact that you have access to this completely global, open, nonstop marketplace that, that lets you, in an instant, trustlessly buy and sell collectibles with anybody, anywhere. Um, and, and you never have to worry about fraud. You know what you're getting is completely authentic. Um, and because it's a single global marketplace, there's so much on it. And so with CryptoKitties, you can spend hours and hours browsing and trying to find the perfect match for your cat uh, and trying to imagine what would happen if you bred them together and looking for deals and refreshing all the time. And you could you could play little marketplace games where you're like, I want to I want to this wingtips uh, uh, trait on the cats it makes the the eyes look extra 
fancy. And I think that that seems valuable. So I'm going to corner the market, right? I'm going to buy all the cheap wingtips and make sure that I relist them higher. Just this kind of a game. And because there's so many people and because it's this global worldwide thing, mm. um, it, it works, and and just experiencing that for the first time for me, each step down the rabbit hole, um, I, I knew that I was never coming back from it. And, you know, I, I think it's funny that you mentioned that it like different traits or what, you know, pulled you into listing them higher because you wanted to kind of monopolize that portion of the market. Um but, you know, you also kind of touch on how you don't want the money and the values and, and like the, the money chasing to dominate the the integrity of the market. Right. Because there are it's, it's more about the ownership and, and the ability to uh, control your own investment. Yeah. And there's an interesting again, I'm going to keep going to crypto kitties because you could say that was my first love on the blockchain, and uh, I'm still completely obsessed with CryptoKitties to this day. I wish it wasn't on Ethereum because every time I breed, it costs me, I think, over $10 these days because oh, of the fees now. on Ethereum. Yeah, uh, it's just ridiculous for, for the costs, and um, and we can probably get into the flow blockchain and, and you know why we built that. It's probably kind of obvious to anyone who's experienced CryptoKitties, but for those... Uh, people who are experiencing blockchain for the first time within being top shot, mm-hmm. you, you kind of don't know how good you have it. <laughs> but maybe we can cover yeah, that. Yeah, well, why don't you um, why don't yeah. you cover why flow? I mean, I think you, we're getting there. Why flow blockchain exists and why it was necessary. But like, describe how that process was of developing it and like where we are today with it. All right, uh, let me finish a, a real quick uh, about the the question about like the the marketplace and cornering a market and, sure. and and that that aspect. Um, the uh, I, I talked about like trying to corner the wingtips market, and what was great is because it's so such a vast market, like that's not actually something that you can do reasonably. Um, so it was a game that I tried to play, and I, I quickly found out, you know, there's just so many other players here mm. that, um, you know, it, it's interesting and you can play around in it. But um, if you want to corner something, you kind of have to invent a tiny niche market. And so uh, I started doing that with, with Gen 100 cats. Okay. And for a, a couple of weeks, if you wanted a Gen 100 cat, I was your guy. You'd come to me to get mm. one because it, it was hard to create one yourself. But it just took a couple of weeks before everybody else was breeding their own Gen 100 cats and, and it just opened up. And that was kind of fun, right? Because I got to introduce a niche into the, the kind of culture of crypto kitties and it became a thing. Um, so uh, anyway, so that just, just wanted to, talk, to touch on kind of how the global marketplace ends up playing out when it's so big like that. Um, but yeah, for the flow blockchain, this was something I wasn't on the crypto kit, so I was, you know, I discovered crypto kitties as a breeder in December 2017, and you mentioned that I built a tool. Uh, that was kind of part of the rabbit hole of understanding the genetics of the cats and mm-hmm. what happens when you breed this cat and that cat. Uh, how do you have some idea what might come out? And so uh, that was the tool that a friend and I built together uh, called Kitty Calc which would give you the probabilities of the different outcomes um, uh, for, for cats. And uh, so it was that tool that got the attention of Dapper Labs, uh, who, who actually ended up hiring my friend and I. Um, 
okay. and we joined the team. So I wasn't there for the very beginning, but by the time I joined, you know, CryptoKitties was huge, and also it was very clear that it was capped by the the network it was on. Ethereum just wasn't going to handle mass consumer experiences. Okay. And the company goal at the time was already, we want to bring these benefits of decentralization right. to the masses. We want a billion people on the blockchain, and we want to lead the way. Okay. And they, they knew already then that... Um, like the reason they did CryptoKitties is the chief creative officer at the time said that he had this theory that if you're building a consumer experience, uh, you don't ask, you know, why should it be about cats? You have to answer the question, why shouldn't this be about cats? Because cats on the internet is just so natural. Huh. And so they couldn't answer the question, why not cats? So they built it. And it was, it was, it was true. But huh. we have a head of partnerships, Katie Tedman, who, uh, it comes from the sports world and she, really, really wanted to bring professional sports to the blockchain. Yeah. And she knew that that audience is massive, massive and they would love all of these these benefits, right? And sure. so uh, she started talking to, to the NBA uh, at, at that time. And at the same time, we knew that the Ethereum blockchain was, was problematic. They were talking about scaling it. And we were hopeful that that would all get solved, right? It would make our lives a whole lot easier. But we weren't going to sit back and wait for it to happen. Uh, Dapper Labs is nothing if not proactive. <laughs> <laughs> so they started exploring. And uh, Dieter Shirley, our chief uh, technical officer, had this idea for uh, how you can solve some of the hardest problems with blockchain and scaling okay. and keeping it decentralized. And he had this thing that made a whole lot of sense in theory but it took the team a couple of years and hiring some incredibly smart researchers and developers and just really focused to find out if that idea was even actually viable, you know, mathematically, provably, like, does this actually have all the benefits it seems to have? Does it really solve the problem? Uh, and, and it turned out that the answer was yes. And then they've, they've been focusing on actually building it. And we knew... Uh, and the NBA uh, eventually uh, uh, bought into our vision for what it would look like to bring NBA to the blockchain. They actually helped us kind of develop that vision. Cool. And they, they agreed that Dapper Labs was the partner. And so we knew that we had this giant thing coming. Right. And, you know, it would not work on Ethereum the way it was at the time or the way it is today, frankly. And so we, we went ahead and we built the Flow blockchain um, and and kicked things off there, and that is what Top Shot is running on. And it doesn't have these crazy fees. It can scale so much bigger <laughs> than right. Ethereum can right now. And uh, it's really exciting that we we are able to bring those benefits of of decentralization without all of the drawbacks. And then there's this third pillar, which is the Dapper Wallet. And um, and that is is kind of our our other secret weapon because when we wanted people to get started with CryptoKitties, they had to download browser extensions, yep. this thing called MetaMask, mm -hmm. and to figure out what a private key was. How do you store your seed phrase securely? Like all of these concepts, just to breed a cat, right. it was it was a lot for a lot of people. And we saw millions of people come to the website, and most of them just like say, "This is." You know, I, I can't understand this and right. walk away. And so we knew we had to solve that. And also you had to buy Ethereum. You had to figure out how to get on an exchange and get, get money and then put it in your wallet so that you can spend it. You had to pay gas fees. All of that just 
you know, how do we get rid of that? And the answer for us was Dapper Wallet. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's kind of our bridge between the fiat world, right? Your credit card and the crypto world, the Bitcoin and the Ethereum and these, these tokens that have value. And so we've been able to build Topshot in a way where you don't have to know that it's on a blockchain. You just use a username, a password, you put your put your credit card in, and you're going. And if if you know like that that it's running on a blockchain, awesome. And if you have like crypto, you can use it. You can interact with it that way. But if you don't, it just doesn't. It's not a barrier for you. So, like you mentioned, like when you first started out in Crypto Kitties, it was really difficult to score a cat. And I think, as you mentioned, that someone who may be jumping into the space right now is going to encounter that same sort of issue. That like finding packs. Um, is going to be tough and you can purchase pack or moments on the marketplace. Um, but I mean, it, it, it can be new and it's expensive, right? Like the, the prices of these moments have been properly, um, I guess, introduced into the market and, and have scarcity. Um, so I, I guess m- moving forward, how, what is the plan towards moment expansion? Because you obviously don't want to create so many moments that they start to lose their value, but you also want to satisfy the demand to a certain degree. And this is all while, you know, your technology is still developing, right? So like, what, what right. is the immediate, like short-term goal um, as like we're seeing truly like a tsunami of new users? Yeah, there, there's kind of this uh, phrase that's been going around the office or the virtual office uh, recently, which is, which is that we're all the good kind of sleep deprived right now. <laughs> we're all focused on this handful of really large issues that do need solving, um, but that are kind of good issues to have. Right. You know, you'd, you'd, ra- you'd rather too many people than too few, of course. Of course. Um, actually, this morning I was... I was just getting outside and, and getting some fresh air, and uh, I was playing some Pokemon Go, and uh, you know, enjoying myself, like walking around a park, catching some Pokemon. And then I started thinking, like, this is such a big game. Again, this is also something that's kind of global. It's, it's this worldwide phenomenon, even now, uh, years after it came out. And I was like, didn't this like have all kinds of issues when it came out. I actually had to go uh, Google it and, and and pulled up a Forbes article where they said, Pokemon Go launch has been a complete disaster. And that made me feel a little bit better because, you know, here I am playing this years later and I've completely forgotten that when it first came out, it was a complete mess. Nobody could access sure. it. And it had the same sort of problems where everybody wanted in and so nobody could get in. Um, and we, we, we're kind of dealing with that right now with Top Shot. Um, I feel like we're dealing with it effectively. Our engineering team is, is doing a, such a great job of scaling stuff up. Uh, it's not so visible from the other side, unfortunately, because what happens is it's a very complex system. Mm-hmm. And, and it interacts with you know, microservices and, and, and different providers and the blockchain. And, and we've got the wallet and we've got the, the, the front end and the back end of the, the website itself. And so what, what ends up happening is we solve the thing that's breaking, which means that the mad bull rush runs right into another wall <laughs> that hmm. we, we couldn't see. And so now we're solving that one. And so we've solved so many issues and things are so much better. But until we make it so that we've solved literally all the issues, it's not 
super visible. And so we have been making incredible progress and it's really great to see from the inside. I wish there was a way for us to better communicate that and maybe, you know, we can put together a blog post or maybe a postmortem about all the stuff that, that all these interesting challenges that the developer team is, is solving for. Um, but from that technical side, we're getting there. You might not see it, and I'm sorry for the experiences that I know that people are having. But um, yeah, I look, I look to like Pokemon Go's launch and, and reading about that. I'm like, okay, yeah, there's we, we, we can we can come out of this uh, really really strong, and we believe we will. Um, but uh, you also mentioned sort of the economy side, mm-hmm. the moments, the scarcity. That's my area. That's okay. Kind of what I'm one of the people that's like very focused on making sure that we have a design that can scale, that retains scarcity, retains value. Um, and, and, and I sort of experienced a lot of those issues from CryptoKitties. The thing about CryptoKitties is any they can breed two cats together and make a new cat. At worst, it's going to take you a week to breed that new cat. Um, but then you have another one that can also breed. And so there's this exponential, uncontrollable growth that on some level felt problematic to a lot of the people playing it. Because they're like, well, why should I breed cats together if, if you know, somebody else is also going to breed cats together? And um, they, they didn't feel that there was anything special necessarily about their cat. Um, and while I could go into hours long sure. uh, rants about how that you know perception maybe doesn't totally match up with reality it's clear that that perception was there okay. and it was something we knew we had to address with uh nba top shot so you'll notice you can't breed your players together <laughs> <laughs> that, that was the first thing um i mean we, we obviously didn't really uh strongly consider that but some people uh expected that's where we would go with something like this um so we control the supply with packs, and that becomes very important because when you're talking about digital ownership, this concept of um, scarcity and authenticity is what gives value to these these objects. It's the fact that I have it and you want it, mm-hmm. and if you have it, I won't have it, and so that is kind of the definition of value, okay. right? And so you're willing to give me something in order to get me to let go of what I have, right. and and we want to make sure that that's just kind of always true on the whole. And there's a really great analog of, of trading cards in the, in the paper cardboard world. And you can see that there are certain cards that are always super, super valuable. Um, but not every card in that world always is. And, um, but it's a great way to get started with collecting is to pick up a bunch of those really cheap cards, maybe from your favorite team, the non-star players, and, mm. and you know, stick them in a binder and look through them and like appreciate the fact that you're able to show off something that's meaningful to you, even if it's not uh, particularly valuable. And so that's why we have comments, right? They're meant to be common. Now, we've hit the situation where, as you said, we can't even produce enough content. Right. We can't even put enough moments out into the ecosystem to begin to meet the current demand. Another and so good you look problem. at commons. Right, <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, but something we do need to navigate really carefully um, mm-hmm. because people are at this point 
um, paying a lot of money for commons because right. uh, everything is is so scarce compared to the number of people who want them. And so the way that we're planning to navigate that is we're not planning to like change what our initial design was, which is that commons are common. The idea with commons is they would always be available again. We can't quite actually physically produce enough right now to meet that demand. That won't always be true. But we can ensure that the ones that are out there now, you know, that are basically too scarce uh, for the, the demand, um, that we don't just completely um, uh, flood that market. And, and some of the ways that we're able to do that is uh, if you look at, we, we have the system of CC moments and LE moments. And so when we retire a moment, we can't mint another one. And so if you're caring very much about value, look to the LE moments because you know right. that those, how many of those can ever exist. And if you want to start building your collection and you just, you just want to have some fun with it, the CC moments are great for that uh, because we can make more uh, to make sure that we kind of meet that demand. But all CC moments eventually become LE. If you were around in Series 1, you know that when we had these moments that were 3,000, right, 3,500, mm -hmm. people were, were um, not considering those to be worth a whole lot. Sure. Um, but the moment, the moment we closed that off and then like doubled, quadrupled, <laughs> 16 doubled the number of people who wanted them, um, that suddenly became super scarce. And so uh, the way I say is, is that the commons are time limited. They represent now in theory. And, and as we continue to grow, you know, yesterday's common becomes today's like super rare potentially. And so that's interesting. And that I think is completely right. sustainable. Even, even if we, you know, hit up where, you know, there's a billion NBA fans that there's nowhere to grow uh, other than the people getting born each year, maybe. Right. Um, huh. It's still okay because commons can be common and we will always have our rares. We will always have our legendaries. Right. And those are made to be scarce. Gotcha. So if it is true that, um, you know, th there is like a little bit of a demand squeeze that like there's just so many people coming in. Can we expect a series three soon or will it maintain series two until the end of the year? Yeah, so it is definitely our plan to maintain Series 2 until the end of the year. But I mentioned that we're being careful and cognizant of the value that people are placing based on the demand squeeze. And so a tool that we have that, that was always, you know, intended to be used, <laughs> um, that, that, you know, it becomes very, very useful in this situation, is as we release new plays into the base set mm -hmm. from a player we can retire their old play from the base set okay. and introduce that new play. So it's fresh content. Okay. And like that. Um, all of those existing plays become retired and get locked in at their current number. Love that. And so if we bring our capacity up like significantly and we're able to actually do what we're supposed to do with commons and make as many available as people want, right? That's the design of commons. But we also turn over the base set so that there's a new LeBron, there's a new Curry, there's a new Zion, right? Um, then we're starting sort of fresh there. And maybe right. those will be CC to 50,000. But everybody getting in is going to kind of get in where they're sort of, um, you know, 
know that that sort of value proposition. And then if they, again, if they want the limited what stuff or they already paid for the limited stuff, it becomes limited. So there's no time frame on that, but that is a tool that's in our toolbox and that way that we can navigate that sort of tricky balance, even at the common level. You know, what's interesting to me, like when I you know, continue to learn and conceptualize what you all have built is, is that it lays the groundwork for these moments that you produce to like have this, as Wade said it in our previous burning conversation, instantly age, right? Like you buy a pack at $9 mm-hmm. and all of a sudden that's at least worth $9, if not significantly more. I mean, I try to keep a book as to what transactions I've made and the spread from pr- pack purchase price to you know, uh, <laughs> low market ask is absolutely ridiculous. Now, the reason why I haven't made a larger move into the space, Alan, is, is that I do have one concern. And that concern is, is that I, it's a whole lot easier for me to get my money in than it is to get my money out. Now, I'll be completely honest, and I haven't gone through the KYC process. Uh, and part of that is because I don't really know. So can you talk about where the process stands today in terms of withdrawing funds and then maybe present an alternate way towards maybe withdrawing some of these funds in a different kind of way. Yeah, so the that's another one of those <laughs> scaling issues that we're running into in a very real way, where our um, our process for uh, approving accounts for withdrawals has to be has to be something that we need to be careful about because we're bridging that gap between the credit cards and the crypto world. And we have to make sure that we don't have people coming in and putting a bunch of purchases on a credit card and then uh, pulling that out into the crypto world and then then, uh, like doing a chargeback or something. Thing, right, on the, okay. or attempting attempting a chargeback on, on the right. credit card. And so that's the sort of thing that causes us to have to be a little bit cautious, which is why it's not quite as simple as as having the, the cash out available to your account on day one, okay. um, the way it might be uh, with some other marketplaces where they don't interact with crypto in that way, where the platform can kind of uh, keep tighter control on everything um, from day one, so it's 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 a hard problem that we opted into because we do think that it makes the user experience that much better, mm-hmm. even though it does create that point of friction. Um, but the the KYC, which is the know your customer process, that's just something mandated uh, legally that we have to comply with. We need to comply with the anti money laundering rules. That's another aspect. We have to make sure that you're not. You know, using stolen funds or, or, or drug trafficking money, you know, and like laundering it through the NBA or something. So we need to right. know who you are in order to um, uh, let you even kind of spend above a certain level yeah, on the platform. And, and that's something we have no control over. But we've partnered with a super great uh, external service that does this uh, professionally. They do this super securely. Everything is encrypted. And actually, it's a super easy process as long as you've got a valid ID, right? But as long as it's actually your address, as long as it's not expired. Um, and it's even better on the phone because of the technology of phones these days um, to verify that you are who you say you are. Like, it's just like, I don't know, like four steps and it walks you through it and it gets all sent super encrypted to this third party 
service that does this for banks and stuff, right? That's what they do. Um, and, and, and they're, they're completely, you know, licensed or, 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 or guaranteed and, and, and whatnot. So, um, I, I understand it's like kind of weird. You want to buy a collectible and you have to prove you are who you say you are, but because of the money involved and because of the intersection of crypto, uh, we do have to do that. And, and so there's a couple of ways that you can end up in that situation. Again, I said, if you spend too much, if you sell too much, um, and, and not too much, right. But just like above a certain level, then that'll trigger. Uh, if you start to approach that, we'll send you an email and let you know that like, Hey, this is going to coming up. If you want to take care of it now, right. Maybe you've got like a free five minutes and it doesn't take more than five minutes if it goes well. And again, just make sure you have a valid ID, <laughs> uh, to be able to say you are who you, you say you are. Um, then, then you can take care of it in advance. And so that's the first step to being able to, to cash out is you ha- we have to know that you are who you say you are so that we can trust you and, and, um, and also, like, you know, yeah, if you were to try to dispute something on a credit card, we can go back to your bank and be like, nah, nah, check this out. Like, this person is, like, like you know, trying, trying to pull something shady. Um, and that protects us and makes sure that, you know, we can actually run this marketplace. Um, and, and that process, we're working on automating all of the kind of approvals for withdrawals. Uh, it worked fine when we had a few hundred people in our early data to kind of manually go through that. And we knew that we would need to automate it. And then all of a sudden, so many people showed up. So we haven't gotten to the point where we automated that yet, to the point where uh, it's it's really easy and quick to get access to that. But we know it's a top priority for the payments team. And so that's something that they're actively working on automating more. Uh, for now, it's still a manual process. And so there's only like so many people who can get approved in a day and so, so many people who, who are in the ecosystem. Sure. So that, that's why that process is a little bit slower. But you, you mentioned like alternatives. Um, when you have access to the withdrawal function, the kind of default that you might think about is the bank transfer, uh, a wire transfer to your bank. We mm-hmm. offer that. Um, there are like legacy banking fees associated with that. Um, that that are set by the banks and and the like wire transfer service you know that's not something you're paying us it's just you're paying for the right to move your money around because that's how the legacy banking system works um but you have the option to withdraw into usdc which is a stable coin on the ethereum network which every usdc is worth pretty much a dollar like sometimes it fluctuates up and down a cent um, and from there, you can move it to an exchange and you can move that into a bank account or you can, you know, play around with Internet funny money, which is which is an interesting thing to do these days. Um, so that's an option that becomes available to you as well. You know, it, it's so interesting for me who, you know, kind of got wrapped into your marketing plan of here's my credit card. I want to you know, experiment on this like crypto space to you know, what is this all about? Like understanding what an NFT is and then being able to play around on that space and MetaMask, like it was all the reasons why I didn't get into the space, but now all, you know, being introduced to the space, all the reasons why I want to learn about it. Um, yeah. It, it, it's, I really find this NFT concept to be an inflection point in technology as we see it like i I think it opens up so many opportunities so many different projects 
Uh, and something that I, I want to ask all of our um, guests who come on Burning Conversations is, like, what do you want to see NBA Top Shot and maybe the NFT space at large develop into? Like, I think we have some like goals and, and some uh, opportunities that we hope come to fruition. But like, what do you want to see the space turn into? So one thing that I don't think a lot of people know um, is is that actually Dieter Shirley, our CTO, the guy who's in charge of, of developing and, and like created this concept for the Flow blockchain, actually invented the token standard for non-fungible tokens huh. on Ethereum. So ERC-721 sure. was his proposal because at the time there were only fungible tokens, really. There were people who had been trying huh. to figure out how do you how do you make it so that like one Bitcoin is different from another Bitcoin? Um, but you know, it was kind of cumbersome and hacky. And he was the first to really put together a proposal for how can we do unique digital items on the blockchain? And he had to because they wanted to do crypto kitties and there was no way to do crypto kitties. So he had to invent the way to do crypto kitties. So we as Dapper Labs essentially invented uh, and formalized this concept of the NFT um, and now we're trying to take it to the next level, of course, with Top Shot. For me, the thing that's so exciting about NFTs uh, is also the thing that's so mundane about NFTs. All an NFT is, is an object, a unique object. It happens to be digital. But if you look around in the real world, that roll of toilet paper, right, that bottle of soda, you know, that jacket, Everything is non-fungible. Huh. You know, this jacket is 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 a Raiders jacket, and it's extra large, right? And it's in my house. Like it's this one jacket that exists. It's just this physical object, and it's different than if you have a jacket. You know, yours might be purple. It might be a Vikings jacket or something. Um, that you know, they're just objects. That's all an NFT is. Is is a digital object and and it has that that function of again if i own it you don't and if i give it to you i lose it so unlike say youtube um and and that's just normal like that's just how the world works and for the first time the digital world can work the same way Hmm. and that means that literally everything becomes possible in in a way that that is weird to think about. It's weird to think about the fact that we never had that before. We had like companies trying to use DRM, you know, to, to enforce uh, their, their digital rights. But even that was a really digital scarcity in any meaningful way. It didn't give you ownership rights. In fact, it, it usually did the opposite, right? And so sure. now, now that concept exists and now you can have things that have value in the digital world. And it just makes perfect sense because it's how everything works in the physical world. You know, and what you just said there leads so well into, you know, our marketing plan that we're hoping to launch with you uh, here in a second. And, you know, before we get to that point, um, I I really would love to hear more about your Dapper team. Um, You know, we see kind of the voices a little bit. We have a little bit of an idea of, you know, where maybe everybody you know works in that little project domain but i think it'd be fun for our listeners um to kind of just go through like the roster over there at dapper labs and like kind of just go through who does what and uh like what value each member maybe brings wow you're, you're gonna get me in trouble because everybody on the team is so 
amazing. But if I were to go through and, and describe like how amazing each person is individually, one by one, you know, this would be a ten-hour podcast. Sure, I don't think any of us would want that. Um, but. I can go ahead and, and maybe cover some of the more public faces that, that you yeah, know, might ahead. show up in Discord and such so that you know sort of who they are. And it all starts with Rohan, our, okay. our CEO. King Rohan. He's the guy who, exactly. He, he's the guy who, who um, you know, co-founded uh, Axiom Zen, which spun out Dapper Labs with CryptoKitties. Um, he, he's leading, leading the charge at the helm, and he's... Um, he's he's basically like a super charismatic visionary. He's he he knows what he wants to bring to the world, and even if it's completely improbable, right? Even if it's bring a billion people to the blockchain at a time when you know nobody understands how to even interact with the thing, mm-hmm. um, he's going to make it happen. And 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 he is also uh, you know kind of the most responsible for uh, building the team. And and I mentioned that everybody is so incredible, and they really are. The Dapper Labs is very picky <laughs> about yeah. bringing people on, sure. uh, making sure that everybody is is really great at what they do, really um, has has this kind of entrepreneurial spirit, has this, this self-improvement thing that everybody wants to uh, do better. And also, all of us kind of will jump in anywhere, uh, especially this past week, Rohan as an example, but, but also uh, uh, members of our CryptoKitties team and uh, members of our design staff are jumping in and answering support tickets because, you know, they need help, <laughs> right? Because there's so many people and some of these side issues, you know, are, are causing all these questions. So, so people are jumping in and doing that. We have um, product designers, so we have... Um, Arthur Camera, who's who's kind of our head of the product for NBA Top Shot, okay. he's a veteran of Crypto Kitties. Again, super like brilliant guy, super motivated and super talented. He, he'll go in and he'll uh, create designs. He'll uh, program tools that help uh, myself on the live operations content team with with my teammates. Uh, Michael and Aaron, without whom we couldn't like have produced all of the content that we have been able to release so far. Cool. Uh, for example, like he's helping us even do that better, right? He, he is he's supposed to like be dreaming a product and and, and under, making sure that we're building the right thing, but he's also helping build tools that help us build the thing. Um, we've awesome. got we've got game designers from uh, all all walks of life, people who have worked on. Like Dragonvale, people who have worked on um, Eve Online and the open economy there. Uh, Raf, we, we we learn so much every day from his experience and his years of experience there. Uh, I mentioned our creative designers. Um, Courtney uh, is 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 kind of the head of, of that department, and we've got uh, Sam and Anara and Denise who are creating these killer designs uh, that you see on the for the moments themselves. Uh, you know, to the website and to, to like these, the Tyler Hero campaign, how it's like in your face and, and really kind of progressive, and and you know they're they're making sure that that brand is is well represented and is what what we consider the NBA top shot, um, and and they're working with contractors and they're working with artists. We've got Cristobal who does legendary art that we all know and love, right? That cosmic art mm-hmm. um, and and uh, deck the hoops and just this killer style that's that's all him just bringing that to life 
we've we've got Benny and we've got Sean who who help lead teams and 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 come up with product ideas and growth ideas and, and like everybody is very passionate and fighting for making sure that we you know when we build something we build it right um, and and let's see you've you've heard, you've seen Jacob appear on podcasts you've seen him show up in yep. Discord quite a bit uh, Jacob is our community lead. And and he's come onto the team and just kicked so much butt. <laughs> um, he, he's making sure that that the right people know about us and that the people who are talking about us, you know, are getting recognized uh, out there. Um, we, we've seen our engineering team even show up in Discord. Derek, uh, Derek, and I were holding court last night on Discord. Um, we had a we had a test pack drop that we had to do, so we were having a little bit of fun with that. Um, on the Discord in advance of the uh, pack drop that happened there. Uh, Derek heads up <clears throat> our engineering team, and we've got uh, two Eric's <laughs> uh, who, who uh, are kind of masterminds on, on the engineering side that are all over the place um, for the back end and the services and, and are the guys like making, leading, leading the team that's, that's making the site run. So again, I could go on for 10 hours. I'm going to try not to. Uh, I missed so many people who are so absolutely vital, but uh, but yeah, we we just got a fantastic team. I love them all. Well, awesome. You know, you know, it's one of these things that uh, this comprehensive project couldn't have been done by one person. Um, but the absolutely. relentlessly positive King Roham definitely has orchestrated quite the team over there, and you know, we're excited to continue to see how the team evolves and develops. Um, you know, as we kind of come to a close in this podcast, uh, we have our co-host, uh, Holy Foley Moly, coming on in in the next few minutes. Um, and while we await his presence, we'll kind of get into the new marketing campaign that the Burn Podcast is running. Uh, and it kind of coincides, Alan, with you know your your vision for the future in this NBA Top Shot space and NFTs at large in that we are going to launch our own series of NFTs kind of commemorating the moments and like the significant times of our podcast um, because we definitely want to be kind of on the hallmark of the future. You know, we want to maybe gra graduate beyond the credit card pump and dump status. We want to be able to uh, contribute into the space. And here we have Holy Foley Moly joining us. Welcome, Kevin. There he is. Hey, hey, hey. How are you? We're doing great. We're doing great. We're about to explain the marketing plan. And, uh, you know, we have our kind of homemade NFTs. But ultimately, these NFTs will be a part of a game show co-hosted by Kevin and I. And, Kev, like, what exactly is going to happen on the game show? Oh, it's going to be a blast. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to bring that NFT in and we're going to have our Swish Fantasy League uh, that everybody's kind of starting to migrate on into the Top Shot space. We've been participating in that for a little while, and so we're going to expand that out. Um, I'm going to do a fun little selection show and start building out like a development of our lineup and why we're feeling really good about the players we're playing. And then each week it's going to be a, a different contest. So this week we're going to revolve it around Swish, but in future weeks it could be, you know, the best uh, bang for your buck uh, NFT that somebody picks up or the best tweet. You know, there's there's a lot that we can do with rewarding these NFTs. 
And so this week it's going to be revolving around that space where uh, Gus and I are going to make a fantasy lineup and we're going to hype it up. And then anyone that beats us this week in Swish Fantasy is going to be eligible for that NFT. And if they reach out and show interest, we're going to do a live lottery and give that out to one lucky winner. And so much fun. So everyone's going to be rooting against you, though, so they can beat you. Absolutely. Exactly. Burn the burning. Burn the burners. <laughs> and, you know, what's exciting is, is that you know, it's going to happen all this week. So currently we sit in 49th. That means that there's 48 contestants that could be eligible for what we consider the filtered raffle. All you have to do is reach out, say that you're interested in being a part of it, throw up a quick tweet about the podcast. And we'll have our selection on Monday as to who the contestant will be. Uh, and then here in a second, Alan, we're going to extend the offer for you to be the first contestant on Burn Ball. Um, but we want to make sure that everyone understands that we're just running this contest for seven weeks. So ultimately, there will only be seven NFTs awarded. Um, and the game show will ultimately decide who gets custody of the NFT, whether it is the contestant. Very exciting. High stakes. High stakes. Love it. We're trying to keep the uh, the pack surprise running. Um, so without further ado, we'll, we'll end this podcast and we'll jump into the game show uh, and get that running. So any final words, Alan, before we move over? I want to say thanks so much for having me. It's been, it's been a blast to get to talk about some of the stuff that we've been working on and how it's come together and some of my own personal story and share that with everybody. And uh, I've been really enjoying the show, so I'm looking forward to everything that's to come. Awesome. Awesome. And we've loved following all you guys have done in the space. It's been really exciting to see it explode over the past few weeks. And, you know, we appreciate your time. And I'm looking forward to hearing more about your story when I re-listen to the podcast later. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, we're going to head over to the game show, and we'll try to get the game show posted as soon as we can. It'll probably beat the podcast. Uh, but that'll be a wrap for this one. Next uh, week, we have Block J coming on. Block J recently quit his job. His last day is Thursday. We're going to record on Friday, and we'll get an insight as to we're getting out of regular world. We're jumping right into the digital world and what that career for him looks like it's an aggressive move we love aggressive moves and we couldn't be more excited for that next guest on burning conversations